everybody, welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today, because today you have a book recommendation for me and the listeners. I do have a book recommendation for you and the listeners, Ooh. and I'm holding it up as if this was not a an only audio format. <laughs> mm. No one can see this. I see it, though, and you, I appreciate Charles. it. Yeah. Yes. Gorgeous cover. Yes. Because it does have a gorgeous cover. Beautiful. It is Babel in Arcane History. Obviously, it has that whole, or the necessity of violence in Arcane History of, you, you add that up. The Oxford Charles. Translators but, Revolution, yes. Yes. Which it doesn't say on the cover, but mm-hmm. I always do like those titles that are like the, it's like the title that the publisher clearly wanted that is short succinct and digestible colon (laughs) it's like something or it's like yeah or like in parentheses or the artsy title that you can tell the author actually wanted to call this book but got talked out of (laughs) (laughs) like uh birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance ignorance. yes that's that's one i always like yeah and it's right, well, like we have uh, R.F. Kuang here kind of playing a part of that title structure. It just seems like fun. You know, you get to have your long, fun title, even if it's not yeah, printed on the cover of your book. When you start to say we have R.F. Kuang here, I was like, oh, from a listener's perspective, they might be like, and here's Rebecca Kuang to talk about. <laughs> no, sorry. We don't, nope. we don't have Rebecca Jeez. Kuang on. Um, Unavailable, too busy being a New York Times best-selling author. So not just any New York Times best-selling author, Charles. Number one New York Times best-selling Numero author. Uno. Now, yeah, that is out of control. The mm. Babel, you know, I wasn't shocked it hit the New York Times best-selling list, but to come in at number one, I know based on. Rebecca Kwong's social media post, she was shocked to hit number one overall there. And it's it's a very deserving book of that spot. We're both huge fans of her prior series. Mm -hmm. That's the Poppy War trilogy. And she follows it up with what feels like a, I would say, a more mature effort not that the mm. poppy war was immature in any way uh, it was obviously um i consider it a grim dark series and there's a lot that's really dark about but you can tell rebecca Quang, i think she started working on the poppy war trilogy when she was like 19 or something like that and it's incredible how well she did but you can see her really coming into her own with this dark academia novel here and it's it's a really impressive effort. It can be pretty dense at times. It doesn't move as quickly as the Poppy War series does, mm-hmm. but there's a ton to digest here, and people are loving it. That that they are, and I've seen it from the hype. I've seen it from Twitter engagements. I've seen it from our very own giveaway, right, Dylan? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> we do have a giveaway going 
on Twitter right now of a signed copy mm-hmm. of RF Quang's Babel. And we have it going on. If you're listening to this live, um, oh, geez, Charles, is this, it, it might be. I'm committing myself. I'm committing myself to post this tomorrow, and I believe the last day is Monday. So, uh, this at the time this episode airs, it will be Friday. Actually, will it be? Yes, it will. It'll be Friday. Yes, we do have a giveaway going until October 10th, which is Monday. You're probably listening to this if if you're listening to it within the first couple days that we released it you have some time to get on twitter we're at the ftf podcast one over there and you'll you'll have clear instructions on how to be eligible in the pin tweet but it's very simple it's like follow us retweet and tag someone in the comments but uh, yes should be easy to find it and you got a chance to win a signed copy Number one New York Times bestseller. copy of Rebecca Kwong's RF Kwong's Babble. So don't want to miss that. It's a beautiful cover. And it's an international, you know, we're drawing from contestants internationally. So yes. if you're in the UK or elsewhere, uh, feel free to enter. We will ship it internationally because... Uh, or New Zealand. Or New we Zealand. Love our Kiwi fans. Love our Kiwi fans. Shout out to you guys. We Make get sure more you're of entering. Them than we get from Vermont. <laughs> for some reason can't break into that vermont market the way that we want to but new zealand is overrepresented if anyone has tips uh, on how to you. break into the vermont market please let us know we're desperate yeah <laughs> i mean we're, we're, we're gonna go with sure talking about maple syrup and yeah ben Jerry's parallel and with maple syrup <laughs> skiing right uh, the four seasons like having all four seasons all that i don't know what the, what are the people in vermont like yeah but reach out maybe they like Babel. maybe this is it i i think right. it would it is a number one new york times bestseller and i'm almost positive she's sold copies in vermont, vermont times though <laughs> oh yeah where's it rank on the vermont times best-selling list that we'll need to look up the vermont times hmm uh well, well that's to be determined but uh anyway in terms of the new york times she's crowned number one so you gotta imagine she's in the top 10 at least i'm willing to <laughs> stake my life on it but yeah, we've we've been huge fans of hers for a while now. We were reading the Poppy War as they were coming out. I don't think um, um, the third book was um, Dragon. It wasn't. Was it no? Called? The Dragon Republic. Dragon is Republic. Second book, Burning yeah. God. The Burning, Burning God, God yes. is book three. And when that first came out, we yeah we grabbed that because I remember we like read that. the series in time for the release yeah. of Burning God, and. Uh, we were like, this author's amazing, can't wait for what they do next. If this is where they're starting, then sky's the limit for their professional career. Because Arf Kwong is, you know, younger than your average fantasy author. And she's also doing a thousand <laughs> like other a things. She's a Marshall Scholar. She's you know, studied at Cambridge and Oxford. She's pursuing a PhD in, at Yale. So while yeah. she's doing all that, which could easily be a full-time endeavor, she's also on the enough. side yeah. dabbling in being a New York Times best-selling author. So just an incredible just force uh, of knowledge and scholarly <laughs> and uh, adventures and just um, 
in writing too. It's it, it's it's really captivating. And what I loved about Poppy War and Dylan, you'll have to tell me like how much of this kind of continues into Babel. But what I loved about Poppy War was how it just felt like a really fresh voice in the grimdark modern genre. You could really see her influence. You know, she's got masters she studied chinese studies in in oxford and taking some of that extensive knowledge and bringing it to a fantasy world and kind of close to reality but still being its own commentary on things like war crimes and how a nation goes to war and and how society handles it and her just her kick-ass action scenes too was another thing that stood out to me and having that Rin of course as a character was really refreshing as well just a strong headstrong like confident not afraid like ends to find the means perfect grimdark character all those things I remember loving about Arf Kwong's work and I was like whatever she puts out next I I can't wait to get to and um, although Babel's not on our immediate reading schedule, that didn't stop you, Dylan, from diving in right away and, and, and checking it out for us. It did not stop me, Charles. And it's it's definitely a step away from that military fantasy mm-hmm. that you see in the Poppy War series. You're not going to get any of these like battles and big fight scenes along those lines. Uh, you can tell she's drawing a ton from her experience in Oxford because she sets this book in, uh, it, it begins in 1828, uh, let's say 1800s in, uh, in Oxford, England. And she, uh, she she's done an incredible amount of research in addition to drawing from her experience there. It's a book about... Uh, translation and language and she's drawing from real world sources with actual like citations basically and footnotes (laughs) and all all this kind of stuff so that's why when i when i say things like it feels like a more mature effort than poppy war i don't mean to put down uh poppy war in any way it's one of my favorite series but i do think of it as like she's found this very interesting middle ground or happy medium if uh if you want of still writing this like fantasy speculative fiction still involving magic with a really interesting i would say hard magic system um meaning hard magic like where the rules are very clear of how it works uh she's still bringing those kind of speculative fiction elements into this while also making it feel like sort of historical fiction and uh, drawing from her academic experience of course she studied uh, like uh, I believe it's like Chinese language and literature don't quote me on that but mm-hmm. I think that uh, at least one of her million degrees is in that <laughs> and it, she clearly displays that knowledge when she's writing this book so for those academics out there who love to nerd out on like actual cited <laughs> sources uh, from the real world and seeing how how Kwong expertly applies those in fiction uh, you're gonna have a lot to dive into here 
that's awesome and that doesn't surprise me at all i mean two i just a quick glimpse at this and i already see like wow this is really a deep dive into the world of academia um it makes sense for kuang they say right what you know and when you have like two masters and pursuing a phd i it doesn't surprise me that she knows she has, a lot uh, knows a lot about <laughs> academia <laughs> right <laughs> and knows a lot about other just everything knowing a lot for sure yeah but um the world of academia and the vibes of like combining like language and translations and schools with like the threat of society and and using fantasy elements to kind of bring those clashing together it's like okay now literally translations have this are a part of this magic system that affects politics and 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 creates an actual threat that kind of elevates this whole idea around academia so it's an interesting premise um would you say that it's dive into academia and this is something for me like i'm like if there is an opposite to harf kuang it might be me you know i didn't go to all these um uh advanced education I mean, you're college edu- you're college educated i don't think you're quite the opposite college <laughs> educated i get what you're saying you're not you don't have um a passion for academia i don't think you have a passion for the idea of academia i think you saw i'm not pursuing a phd like, a like you yeah. or kwong I, I went to business school okay and so that's the difference and i'm just wondering um and you know, you're pursuing a PhD as well, so I'm going to take your opinion with a grain of salt. But I think you can be objective here <laughs> and tell me, like, is is this deep dive into academia, is it too deep? Like, is it going to turn off some traditional um, fantasy fans out there? Or it, it, are people going to be pulled in, intrigued? It's interesting. If... If it weren't for the fact that Babel is a number one New York Times bestseller, like (laughs) we took that out of the equation, because that to me speaks to, I don't think we really need to have reservations about recommending this to pretty much anyone. Mm -hmm. But if we took that out of the equation, I would say I would actually sooner recommend the poppy war with no prior information about the kind of reader that someone is just because, uh, you know, I would... The only information I would want to know is, like, can you handle, like, intense violence, sexual violence, like, those kind of things. Because if you said no, I would be like, all right, the poppy war might not might not mm-hmm. be for you because it goes into some really dark places with those kind yeah, of things. Like but in terms of, I, I think, all that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I think that the poppy war feels more accessible. It feels more, I would also say... I want to say fun, even though it's a ser- it's hard to say that about a series with that's so gritty and dark. But it, I, I do think the Poppy War is entertaining is a better word than mm-hmm. fun. Like it, it uh, you know, it has a lot more action, and I think it just moves so fast that I I do find it a a quicker recommendation for fantasy fan epic fantasy fans and all of that Babel takes a step toward more of that capital l literature or mm-hmm. like feeling i feel more comfortable labeling it almost like speculative fiction uh, <laughs> than i do fantasy just it sounds fancier <laughs> or something right. um and i think that it's something that if you are an academic you have 
that kind of experience, like graduate school, stuff like that, to draw from, and it's been a really huge part of your life, you are going to probably relate to the plight of the characters and what they're going through and just the setting more than if you, you know, you haven't received advanced education like that. But I do think, especially with, keep in mind, it's this number one New York Times bestseller, I do think it's it's going to be accessible to anyone who's willing to take the journey. You know, I do think at times it felt dense to me. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't mind dense that much because, you know, I, especially with some of this more like academic feeling stuff, it puts me in the mode of like, all right, I've read a lot of research papers and I can, I can handle this. It's still fiction. And I think if you're not going to be, uh, I guess, thrown off or turned away just by the idea of like, okay, I want to read fiction with footnotes or whatever, then I I think you'll find there's a lot to enjoy here, regardless of your level of education. Yeah, that's well said. I I can, because it's a number one bestseller. So there's obviously something here for everybody. Otherwise it wouldn't have um, performed as well as it has. But I, the question I'm curious about is now that you've read it and we've seen the audience response to it being overwhelmingly positive, like in your mind, especially as someone pursuing a PhD yourself, like what makes this book instead of being like, oh, this book, the target demo or like academics to like what pushes it through to having that mass appeal? Like how does it break through to not just fantasy fans or academia fans but to literally everyone what is the magic in this book that's getting it to that number one spot in your mind yeah i think like i said i wouldn't have guessed that it would have the level of mass appeal Mm. that it does so i'm more like post hoc to to use a little academic (laughs) lingo here i'm like post hoc trying to look at this and say why has it been such a giant success rather than what I would have said coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's just it works on so many levels mm-hmm. where it works on this fantasy level where you can look at, even if it's not the epic fantasy with the wars and the fighting, there's legitimately a hard magic system in this mm-hmm. and a really interesting one based around language and translation and things that get lost in translation. I don't want to spoil or get into whole thing but it's mm-hmm. it's just really cool and i was I, i'm kind of a language nerd myself and i i really like the magic system and that's not something i was expecting mm-hmm. uh, out of kuang so then so you think of these fantasy fans who already know rebecca kuang's name and uh, many of which big fans of the poppy war they can grasp onto some of these more typical fantasy elements like that so you, you're grabbing that uh, group over there then you're getting these uh, fans of like dark academia in general is this uh, this big subgenre in it is fantasy. an interesting subgenre I, isn't it yeah and it seems to be a little bit separate from our typical like the kind of fantasy that you and i generally read on here like we I don't think we've read a lot of books that would fall into this like dark academia no. uh, category. Like the, would but you consider so the magicians to be it? like on the outskirts of dark academia? It's not really dark or about academia. Yeah. They just happen to be in a school. But 
I think you could classify that as I'd be interested. I mean, any listeners who are really into that subgenre can, uh, you know, let us know what you consider dark academia if the magicians fall in there. I, I think it would count. Like, but anyway, yeah, it's kind of a separate readership than the epic fantasy uh, readers. So I think you're you're bringing like this huge dark academia uh, group in addition to all these epic fantasy folks you got on board with the Poppy War. And then you have, and maybe just it's super relatable to do these like school settings because, I mean, if, if you're not college educated or graduate school educated, you can relate to the idea of being at school. Uh, I mean, uh, I think that has its own appeal just for the masses. And then we get this part that makes it feel more uh, of that capital L literature where you're able to grab those folks who, you know, I don't say this from a condescending point. I love fantasy, but there's a lot of people who do not stain to read genre fiction. Mm. You know, don't see themselves as people who read who grab things from that sci-fi and fantasy section. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I don't approve that attitude. I think that there's so much great to read in the genres, but there's lots of people out there who, you know, yeah. don't do it. And you have to, I think, be able to break into that just capital L literature, like just fiction reader right. who uh, would normally grab a book like this if you're going to hit number one New York Times bestseller. Exactly. You got to get in so, like, the book club circuit. You got to get, yeah. you know, on. You have to have people writing about you. And as someone right. who's never read the book, the thing I would see is just RF Kuang herself as a powerful house figure just her notoriety coming up it's she already had a best-selling series she's coming in on another one and in that time she's gotten all kind of academic accolades and accomplishments and um you you see her on tour with a bunch of other authors that we really like and things like that and um including friend of the show sarah el arifi (laughs) that's right i see in ever's right there's like her star just really took off after (laughs) i'm gonna say this it's gonna sound like i mean it's because of our interview there but i mean just (laughs) separately her star took off after our interview with her the secret was to interview her before her book went on sale so then we could take credit for it (laughs) right i know we sold Um, at least two copies so no we sold a lot more that's one that we got a ton of feedback of yeah Anyway, that's that was a very fascinating interview, but Arifi. yeah, the, po- the point is, to... it's like authors as personas, right? To me, when I see like the new generation coming up into the bestseller, like Mount Rushmore status, fantasy authors, we've been talking about Kwong for a long time as taking one of those, one of those seats, right? One of those spaces. And right. because just right out of the gate, blowing us away with with Rin and the story of the Poppy War and um, just the career that she's been able to build in conjunction with her academia career and, you know, her her background and expertise in, in Chinese studies. It's like bringing all of those things together. Uh, it's just the secret sauce that I think a lot of readers and not just fantasy readers, but people just reading books uh, as a hobby, as an interest, are intrigued by and supportive of so to me it's it's 
it's like a lot of hard work and good ideas and good timing coming together for this one. You're right about that, Charles. And you, you mentioned trying to make it into things like that book club circuit and accessing those readers. I think to do that, you have to be willing to tackle a lot of these big themes. And I yes. think that's something where Rebecca Kwong shines is and awesome. and, sh- and shown in the is that the right past tense she shined shined yeah she uh shined shown (laughs) okay that's uh that's another area where she shines is uh these big picture questions and she shined in her writing of the poppy war and she shines again in Babel, I think even more so, uh, where she she's getting into these ideas of, of colonialism, of racism, of uh, like the problematic nature of translation, uh, of the ways in which uh, she feels academia is uh, broken or at least came from very... Uh, messed up beginnings uh meanwhile she's an academic herself like she said this is uh, she called it her love letter and breakup letter to oxford which is <laughs> that's really funny. interesting right so she's she's tackling these things that she adores about academia and these big themes but she's also getting into like here's what's problematic about academia so when you dive into those huge themes like that that's how you can start to break into i think these book club type uh books right you start feeding into an ongoing conversation and she's really at the at the cutting edge of it in fiction oh yeah oh yeah and in the cutting edge of fantasy too I, i think fantasy like older school fantasy has that sort of connotation of like not being like on the forefront of some of these modern themes uh, about kind of societal themes and sociological themes and things like that. And I think by having fresh voices come onto the scene and to tackle these and and someone like Arif Kwong was up to the task of coming in and just being an absolute expert in her field and also having the deft hand to explore the themes through her narrative. It's such a rare thing to see um and when it's pulled off it's worthy of of that book club discussion of like what how was she able to pull this off but can we pull from her influences can we pull from the scene can we pull from this it's it just creates intriguing discussion and we had a great time talking about poppy where we had to turn our first book that was like the first time we took a book and made it a two-parter are yeah. one of the first times because we just had so much to say about the poppy war that um we couldn't it, it was over an hour and a half long just in the first half of the first book so we had a lot to say and it doesn't surprise me that that continues in in, in Babel because um that's just from what i've read of kwong's it's just her style it's everything is richly contextualized both in her experiences and her knowledge so and her creativity well said charles yeah all of those things are on full display in Babel, and i think what can get lost in all these conversations about 
uh, theme and uh, all those bigger picture ideas uh, is she's she's a phenomenal character writer oh yeah and i think that that's something that rin in the poppy war mm-hmm. we always talk about her as one of our favorite characters she's this extremely complex character and mm-hmm. kuang is willing to go places with her that many are not willing to go with their protagonists in terms <laughs> of moral grayness and i think she she really brings that into Babel in a way the characters feel extremely real i think that it's uh, even even more so than in the poppy war because this book is uh, i guess it can take its time uh, a little more the poppy war it always felt like there's somewhere we had to go the pacing new was, we had to fight the was fast but i i loved yeah. the pacing of it but it was fast yes i I love fast-paced novels, but you don't you don't get to a lot of Rin's character development. I think happened along the lines of these like big actions that mm-hmm. were being taken, rather than this like let's sit with her and see mm-hmm. where she's at right now. We didn't have a lot of time to do that, and I think here you get a lot more of the day-to-day life uh, mm. of the characters especially the main character robin and it it allows us to see a different side of kwang's writing than we've seen before because we we that's like the last thing that we got in <laughs> in the poppy <laughs> war would be just like day-to-day life like what's going on and there's a lot of like these interesting like sweet moments even of uh the character robin comes in and he's got this cohort of uh four people which is very like uh, similar to what you might experience in a phd program you come in with these like a few other people and you spend a ton of time together and just the friendships that they develop uh, their interactions and just even them especially early on in the novel they're just like go out and grab some food or like have these arguments about uh, like really complex academic stuff but also Mm. almost like being silly about it you get those Mm. moments in a way that i haven't really seen from her before and in terms of rebecca kwong's writing and i i really liked it i uh, i'm someone who enjoys really getting to sit with those characters and get to know them and that that's something i don't want to get lost in conveying why this is a great book to read it, it sounds like um rf kuang is really kind of just expanding her 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 catalog right she's not just gonna write, i'm just gonna write fast-paced grim dark fiction and write that for my whole career she's like okay i did the fast-paced grimdark militaristic fantasy book now i'm doing the like oxford university academic book and like she can knock both out of the park and who knows what the the next thing's going to be it's like she she had the fast-paced she's thing. got another she one coming soon thing. charles i believe it's called yellow face i remember then, seeing it, stuff about that yeah. it's uh yeah and 
I have to say, I don't even know if it's technically going to be fantasy or not. I haven't really mm-hmm. done the deep dive into this one yet, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think the arcs are already out. <laughs> I don't know how she has all this time <laughs> to just, yeah, no to just clue. Crank out these books in the middle of getting her PhD. Uh, I know I don't. <laughs> I don't think I would be capable. Uh, but I no, I'm not cranking out I books. And I, just, uh, I have a nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not capable of writing New York Times best-selling books in the time, but uh, let alone <laughs> any books, but. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And that one, I think it deals with someone who's either, oh, wow. It's about a New York Times bestselling sensation who went to Yale, I believe. (laughs) Write what you know. (laughs) (laughs) Write what you know. Yeah, that's fair. Um, So anyway, yes, she, I think she, yeah, she might be branching out of you even the fantasy or speculative fiction genre with this one. Again, don't quote me on that because well, I, haven't, I haven't done a deep dive, but I don't see anything in here that indicates this has any fantasy elements. So It's exciting. Um, it's good to yeah. see her continuing to branch out and just following her interests and uh, what she wants to write and not being afraid to like, You'd think if you just wrote a New York Times bestseller, you'd be like, and now Babel 2, <laughs> the babbling. It's like... <laughs> the like babbling. <laughs> Babel 2, electric boogaloo. <laughs> electric <Yeah>. babaloo. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, like, how like Babel how could you two. not... Babbler than ever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Move on. The babble strikes back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. The babbling. <laughs> Bab- Babble 2, a more arcane history. <laughs> more arcane than it's ever been before. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, how could you not write that? But to then be like, I'm going to totally break sh- my usual genre and tell a totally different story and see where that goes. It's like, more power to you. That's. I'm sure you'll be successful. You've only continued to outdo yourself so far, so... Uh, before we move on from our conversation about Babel, I'm curious to put you on the spot here and say what kind of books would you recommend for fans of this book or fans of which books should check this book out? Like what kind of books are in the periphery for you recommendations wise for Babel? Yeah, I think of it around those books that that kind of bridge the gap between the more like capital literature and the Mm -hmm. uh, like more typical fantasy i mean the final strife by sarah el arifi definitely comes to mind Mm -hmm. we were talking about sarah earlier just in terms of the willingness to tackle a lot of these these huge themes like racism and oppression Mm -hmm. and things along those lines while uh, I would say the final strife is probably more poppy war esque in terms of the like action and the pacing of it than it is um, 
than it is Babel-esque, but okay. I just think the kind of readers who enjoy getting the fantasy elements in addition to these larger themes, especially those about like racism and oppression and colonialism, all that kind of stuff that I would say both of those books tackle those huge uh, problems in society. And I would, I would say the magicians, there are elements, the magicians, Lev Grossman, there are elements that remind me a lot of the magicians just in terms of, I, I think, the way they capture this idea of just having a small cohort and you become extremely close, even if you're very different people, just because you have to spend so much time with these people. And then the idea, it's almost like this trauma bonding where you're (laughs) working so freaking hard on the same stuff that it's like, okay, I know in the magicians, it's like, uh, there's not always a ton of uh, love lost uh, there between like uh, Quentin and Penny, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but they just, they're forced together. So there's some sort of, uh, I guess, some sort of underlying love that forms there. Right. um, Even just out of sheer familiarity and, and like trauma bonding. So yeah, but this idea of just working like nonstop, on stuff and it being so hard i think the magicians captures that really well and mm. so does uh, babel i i think that uh, i think piranesi is an interesting mm. one a very different books but it's another one that's suzanne clark uh it's another one that seems to kind of walk that line of the more uh, it's like it's got this a- academic feel to it, does right. Piranesi, because the just the way that the character writes is trying to approach everything like very scientifically, right. and I think that comes through. And it's another one that feels like it's. I mean, I don't want to give some something away about Piranesi. That anyway, if it has the same like, let's get at some of these big ideas i think that one's a little more there's definitely a love for academia that shines through in piranesi like you can tell Susanna clark yeah really loved that scientific journal way of narration and the scientific mind even if the person itself was a bit too naive to do real science they were still thinking scientifically and there was definitely a love there that you could see come through in the writing. So I get that. Right. And even in the like Goodreads description of of Babel, it's called you know, it compares itself to another work of Susanna Clark's that says it's a tonal response to Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell, which I've never read, but I think it's kind of getting at what you're saying when you compare it to Piranesi, where it's like spiritually there's a lot of similarities going on, but they're in two very different directions in terms of the whether it's you call it action or what's happening or where they go with their themes and things like that. Yeah. I think that's what I they're trying to say. I don't want to get into here. anything that's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't read Jonathan Strange, so Me I don't either. know for sure. But I feel like there's, I, I don't know how to get into it, but in Piranesi, there's some stuff that's almost more in the background that get at some of this like dark academia stuff too. I mean, I, Charles, I don't know how. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, having mm-hmm. read it. Like, right. 
there's and, and like the dangers of the pursuit of knowledge and those kind of things. Yeah, like, those are themes in in both of these books. So mm. I see, I, I, see. I just can't say more because Piranesi it's so much about this like unfolding mystery about what it's even about Mm -hmm. but i think then we've got things like uh uh, the priory of the orange tree is another Mm -hmm. one that seems to uh, get into these big picture themes i once noted for being like very feminist and uh, i think it's a different kind of oppression that that dives into and it is more epic fantasy but it's also i think uh, it's also a tome <laughs> and i think that uh, it's, babel is kind of a tome in itself it's uh, pretty so big i think it, you have to be you know, you have to be willing to sin uh, read something that big but i'm trying to think what else i would i would start thinking along the lines of of babel i mean Nothing comes to mind immediately besides the ones that I mentioned. I'm sure there's all sorts of dark academia stuff that people uh, who read more of that would compare to this one. And yeah, maybe just like historical fiction readers who want to delve into something a little bit more fantasy in nature. Folks like that might want to give this one a try. Oh, well, I mean, lots of very strong comparisons there. Lots of books that I love. So uh, the second we get some downtime in the reading schedule, I'm diving into Babel because, you know, I'm just a big fan of Arv Kwong and Poppy War. So no brainer to dive into her New York number one New York Times bestseller. Um, yeah. That being said, guys, it's an obvious recommend <laughs> from the FTF mm-hmm. podcast here. It did feel weird doing a like, we recommend the number one New York Times <laughs> bestselling book. That, guys, this like, number one New York Times bestseller is really good. You heard it here good. first, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> That's our controversial like take. The book that everyone, yeah, everyone is buying. That's right. But hopefully getting into it... Hopefully, getting into it for like forty-five minutes. Uh, I mean, look, there's a lot of pe- there's a lot of people out there who, uh, you know, have to be judicious about what they choose to read, and Babel's no small commitment. And just being able to read more about it, get some more context about it before you commit to reading it, I think is is a helpful service that this episode will hopefully provide, you know, and even if you haven't read it yet, maybe it'll get you excited about it. If you have read it, maybe you'll get to hear some of Dylan's opinions about it. So, you know, there's something here and either way, it's just, you know, we like to talk about books and this is our immediate chance to talk about this one. So yeah, this is it. Dylan gets to tell me all about it. You know, I've kind of told him to like, save your opinions, man. Let's just do it on the air. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> thanks to yeah. our uh thanks to our big giveaway we've got a lot of babble uh, eyes on a lot of babble fans have eyes on our on our page right now so we wanted to make some babble content um we wanted to babble about this wonderful <laughs> book for a little bit i know too bad we can't right, translate this to 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 <laughs> other languages but uh um good try We'll Once I start making best. puns, it probably 
<laughs> it's all anyone could ever ask of you, Charles. Uh, I didn't yeah, read the book. Once, I'm trying here. <laughs> once the puns come out, I think it's probably a good sign that we might want to get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping. I think it's a fantastic yes. sign that we need to get that sweet, sweet outro music yeah. pumping, Dylan. The people expect go. more out of us than, <laughs> than puns. They do. They do. Uh, so... Um, don't expect much more, though, because uh, we just got the outro coming up. And uh, let's do it. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, do us a favor. Follow us over on social media. We're on Instagram at the FTF Podcast and Twitter at the FTF Podcast One. You have three more days to enter that giveaway for Babel, guys. It's an international giveaway. We'll ship anywhere the post office will let us ship to. So be sure to <laughs> enter over on the FTF Podcast One on the, our official Twitter account. Um, so Dylan, That's if they official. like what they heard today, they followed us on social media, they entered the giveaway on Twitter for a signed copy of the New York number one New York Times best-selling book Babble, and they want to support the show even further, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast, and you can do that on either Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, and really on Spotify, over half of you are listening over there, so mm. it's just two clicks to give us five stars, and it helps us so much. So you can even write a review if you're an Apple Podcast person, but just listening is more than enough thank you so much for doing that just listening guys thank you thank you thank you we greatly appreciate it you made it all the way to the end and we love you for that so thank you for listening we'll see you next time and as always go forth and conquer friends